really special day in the life of our church. Later this morning, the door will be open just outside the entry here to my left, your right. And you'll be able to walk out onto what will soon be the courtyard, the new courtyard, which is right above the parking garage. And there the final beam, which will be raised later this week, is going to go up. And you're going to be invited to go out and take a, a marker and write a verse, offer a prayer, whatever it is that you would like to do. It's something that we're going to celebrate together. If you want to stick around all the way through lunch, there will be box lunches available for you and just a very rich time of fellowship. It's been an incredible thing to witness the way the Lord, for almost 29 years now, has led this church. He continues to show us his faithfulness time and time again. I want you to remember for a moment the first time you entered these doors. Everybody has a moment, the very first time. And what was that like for you? What made you say, I want to continue to come to this place? I trust for most it's that Sunday after Sunday, you see the central focus upon our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The efforts to listen to the Lord continually by His grace and for His glory is what leads us to want to always make the gospel known. The purpose of this new structure is that others may come through these doors where we welcome them and hear the wonderful message that they are a sinner in need of a Savior, and there is only one. And that Savior died upon the cross after living a perfect life, covering us who trust in him with his blood, that we might live for all eternity in the presence of this high priest who is over the house of God. The greatest resource this church has is not this magnificent sanctuary or the structure that's coming, it's his people who have the Holy Spirit, God himself, living in them. And as the light of Christ shines brightly from our lives, others take note. Some are repulsed, others are drawn in because the Spirit of God is moving in their lives. This spring, later this spring, late April, and then twice in May, we're going to invite every member of our church, and even those who are, who are friends of our church, aren't members yet, to come to one of three weekends where we will re-enter these doors and we will remember the faithfulness of God and we will remember the vows that we once made as God has made vows to us. We're gonna renew our commitment as a body to support this church and its worship and work to the glory of God. The dates for those weekends are in your bulletin and you can go ahead and register now. We are going to strongly encourage and invite and pursue all of our members to participate in one of these weekends. They will be Friday evening from 7 to 9, then Saturday from probably 8.30 to noon. And it's going to be a rich time of us worshiping together, being in the Word together, remembering the gospel together, remembering God's faithfulness to us together from the beginning of Genesis to now, the faithful way in which God is fulfilling the history of redemption. Why? Because he's saved us. Why? Because he has given us the message of salvation. Why? Because the purpose of our life is to bring him glory and enjoy him forever. And there are so many yet to be saved. And the God who ordains who will be saved also ordains the means by which they will be saved. And he uses us, you and me, 
to make his name known in this city and all over the world. To that end, we want all of this body to remember his faithfulness. All of this body to see again and experience the power of the gospel as we see written in the book of Hebrews, this wonderful sermon written to this little house church. This morning, we're going to be in Hebrews 10. From this place, we're going to be looking back over the next couple of weeks, what's in 9 and 10, that presents us with this beautiful expression of the blood of Christ, of this great high priest, and the call to move forward as a body for his glory. Let's stand for the reading of God's word. We're going to be again in Hebrews chapter 10. I'm going to begin reading at verse 19, concluding at verse 25. The preacher, carried along by the Holy Spirit, wrote these words. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain that is through his flesh, and since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. This is the word of the Lord. Please be seated. Father in heaven, it is your holy word. We are thankful to be in a place where the elders of this church Believe that this is your word, inerrant, inspired by God, written as men were carried along by the Holy Spirit to record words that would be useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. All God breathed. We're thankful, Holy Spirit, that apart from your illuminating work, there's not one of us who would ever have believed this truth about Jesus. There is not one of us who would have surrendered our lives to our Savior, Jesus. There is not one of us who would ever live a life so worthy to be accepted by you. But in Christ, because of his blood and righteousness, in Christ, the one with whom your wrath was poured upon, we are free Free those who've trusted in you to approach your holy throne, your very presence, to bring you praise and glory. Thank you for your faithfulness, even now that you're going to feed us. You're going to feed us through this word and through the table. You're going to remind us of things that are so important and so dear. You're going to convict us and remind us of how much we still need to know the work of our Savior and how much his promises and faithfulness to us give us everything we need. We pray in Jesus' holy name. Amen. The first Sunday of this month, January 5th at 11 o'clock, 
I met a man, a young man, I would say late 20s, early 30s, who came through these doors for the very first time. We met right there as a member of our church brought him down to meet me. He saw the man around 11.05 running to the doors of this church, literally running. The young man was on his way to a different church not too far from here, and I quote, something told me to stop and go in to the, through the doors of this church, but I couldn't find a place to park. He drove and drove, watching other people come, and then parked. He said, I think it was half a mile away, and he ran to come through the doors of this church. Not many people run to come through the doors of the church. I doubt any of you have that story, but he did because there was something at work in his life telling him that the place where he had been was not a place where true hope was found, where true salvation was proclaimed. Afterwards, he was eager to talk about the things that he heard. He had on his neck a necklace, a huge crucifix. He asked me about that. I don't see one here. Is it okay that I wear this? He asked me a few other questions and said, I will be back, and he was. The next Sunday, we had communion in all three services. After the service, he came up to me and he said, I did not take communion. You, you, you said not to as I was fencing the table, and, and it scared me because I'm not a communing member, his words. I have not been through confirmation, so am I able to take communion? I just didn't know. And so there I talked to this young man about the cross of Jesus. That indeed, as he's wearing that necklace, our Savior was on that cross. But that he is no longer there. Jesus Christ conquered death. His blood was poured out perfectly. He was placed in the tomb of which he conquered death and rose from the dead. And we celebrate the life and death and resurrection and ascension and reign of our Savior Jesus. And we look to that day when he's going to return. And I said to him, anyone who has trusted in Christ alone, to use our language, has received and rested in Jesus alone, can come to this table. This is not a Presbyterian table. It is the table for God. It's people. Today, as we invite you to come if you were one of Christ's people, his children. You've trusted in him alone. This is for you. If today you know in your heart you are not a true believer in Jesus, it's not for you. Not yet anyway. And so I'm doing what's called fencing the table now, and I'm urging you to listen to what the word of God is saying. In this passage, in this wonderful little book called Hebrews, there's a pastor writing to his small flock. And this small flock is tempted to abandon the faith. They're tempted to no longer hold fast to the hope they've once had. Persecution is real and it's coming. They've felt it and they're fearful of more. And so they're tempted to leave. And this pastor is encouraging them to hold on to this hope this hope of a better priest, the great high priest who is over his house. 
And he spends these chapters building up to this moment to say he is the author of a new covenant. He is the one sacrifice, the one great priest. And then he comes to this place where he gives us these remarkable words. And then he calls from this place the people to action. But it begins with an understanding of his blood. Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God, walked upon this earth and he lived a perfect life. He was tempted just as you are, just as I am, and he never sinned. He was sent to this earth to become the last and perfect sacrifice. Millions of animals have been sacrificed through the Old Testament times, but now there would be one final sacrifice, and this sacrifice would be the blood of God's own son. And the author moves to this climactic point in this letter, and he says in verse 19, therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places, where does the confidence come from? By the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is through his flesh torn and since we have a great high priest over the house of God, and then he gives three very, very direct applications, which we'll see in a minute, but we can't miss what's happened. In order for us to be here and to worship God in spirit and truth, Jesus had to live that perfect life so that he could be that perfect sacrifice. Jesus' blood had to be spilt, had to be poured out. And that took place on this tree, this cross. Every sin that you and I have ever committed, will ever commit. Every evil thought, every bitter deed, every ounce of self-righteousness, every ounce of pride, Every lustful look, every selfish thought, every careless word, every moment of lacking self-control, greed, idolatry, arrogance, a lack of love, a lack of zeal, even for our enemies, love for them, coarse joking, Indulgence in things on TV we shouldn't see. Indulgence in things we eat and drink to excess. Every sin, Jesus died for his people. His blood poured out for you and for me perfectly. When the pastor says, you have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus. He's reminding them of the cross. He's reminding them of the power of the cross and what was accomplished when Jesus said, it is finished. And so when we sing songs about the cross, 
when we read words about the cross, we must remember the cost of the cross and what it means for us. Paul says, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Christian, if that is truly who you are, if that is your name, you claim that name because of the blood of Jesus. That's why this church continues to preach the cross, Jesus crucified, and continues to seek the Lord's face and how to extend that good news to this whole world. From this place, the pastor calls this small church to three things. First, he says in chapter 22, or verse 22 of chapter 10, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies worse washed with pure water. From that place of knowing the great high priest over his house, the command is to draw near to the living God by his grace, and that's it alone. You made it here today. Don't forget that. Never think for a Sunday that you did this. Never. By his grace, I opened his word and studied the text and moved from that seat to this place to proclaim this truth. By his grace and his grace alone and for his glory, we have the privilege of drawing near, but doing so with a true heart in full assurance. You can come to this place just as you can approach God in your own devotional time alone with full assurance because Christian, your heart has been changed. You and I did not have a heart that was a little bit sick or a heart that was prone to certain things that we ourselves could fix. We had a heart that was dead, that could not beat for God, that without the resurrection power of the Holy Spirit causing that heart to beat, we never would profess faith. He did that work and causing our hearts to become new, true hearts. He says to draw near because of his blood with hearts that are sprinkled clean. That's who you are in Christ. Your hearts, our hearts have been sprinkled clean. He then tells them, following the call to draw near, in verse 23, he says, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. I trust that's why you're here. That the evidence of God's faithfulness to you has born in you a desire to hold fast to that true hope that he has planted in you. As his body, the ones who trusted in Christ alone for our salvation, he is telling us to hold fast, to not waver. They were tempted to waver. They were tempted to drift, and so are we. As persecution comes against the church, 
here in this city and all over the world in different forms and fashions. You and I will face the temptation to not hold fast, to not waver. And if this morning you're sitting here thinking, I will never waver, I will always hold fast, my friend, humble yourself by God's grace and remember Peter who said, I will die for you. I will never be like them. And he denied him. And what did God show? As it says here, his faithfulness. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering for he who promised is faithful. To hold fast, to remain steadfast, to not waver, our eyes should not be fixed upon our own ability, our own spiritual disciplines, our own piety. It should be centered upon the faithfulness of God that is perfect. And when we see the faithfulness of God fulfilling what he said he would do, he who started a good work is going to bring it to completion. We are in that flow of the Holy Spirit's work in our lives to help us continue to cling to the one who is forever clinging to us. He will never let us go. Lastly, he says in verse 24, after telling them to draw near with a true heart, to hold fast the confession, he then says, and let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. And then he gets more specific and says, not neglecting to meet together is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. We can't stir one another up to love and good works if we're not present. We can't stir one another up to love and good works if we're not drawing near, if we're not holding fast, if we're not listening to the word and moving beyond just intellectual stimulation to application and living the word. Fellowship in Christ is a means of grace. It is a means of grace where the word and spirit and prayer for the people of God, done by the people of God, encourage us, gives us strength, for each Sunday, as thousands enter through these doors into this place, people come having battled so much. Some experiencing victory in Christ like they've never known. Others living in real despair. Some deeply full of joy, even in the midst of sorrow. Some whose sorrow is so heavy, they can barely lift their eyes, yet they're here. And the ministry of presence itself offers encouragement. And so, my dear friend in Christ, your life in Christ matters. The way in which you live for Christ, drawing near to him, holding fast to the true hope, of being present and encouraging one another matters as it does for all of God's people. As time moves on and as that day draws near, we have no idea when that day will be. 
there will be more and more temptation for us to drift. But God has given us everything we need to hold fast. Everything, everything. He's given us himself. The cost of that gift, though, was real blood. The blood of our Savior. As we prepare to go to the table, I want you to listen to the first and last stanzas of a really remarkable hymn. There is a fountain filled with blood, drawn from Emmanuel's veins, and sinners plunged beneath that flood. Imagine, lose all their guilty stains. Lose all their guilty stains. Lose all their guilty stains. And sinners plunge beneath that flood. Lose all their guilty stains. And the last stanza. Dear dying lamb, your precious blood shall never lose its power till all the ransomed church of God be saved to sin no more. Be saved to sin no more. Be saved to sin no more till all the ransomed church of God be saved to sin no more. God is going to rescue all of his children. The cross, the atonement, the cost, his blood, the power, him. If you are in Christ, this is what he has done to enable you to draw near. This is what he's done to enable you to hold fast. This is what he has done to give you the mind to be present with others in Christ, to bring encouragement when tempted to drift. Let's pray. The work on the cross, Jesus, you said, it is finished. And because of that finished work, we can approach this table drawing near to you boldly and confidently. As we come, Lord, I pray that you would do the work that only you can do, feeding our souls, transforming us by your presence, and by that work, that resurrection power work in us. So Lord, as we come to this table, encourage us, not just individually, but corporately for your glory and our great good. In Jesus' name, amen.